0: If you're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album, from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums, is here before you die. Of this episode, we'll be talking about Fishbone, Truth and Soul. In the room, I have Rob. Hey, buddy. Hey, on the line, I have Kyle. Let's get going, Fishbone. Hey, Josh. Funky bass. Truth and Soul is the second album by American funk, rock, and ska band Fishbone. It was released on September 13th, 1988. The producer was David Kane, and the genre is funk rock, funk metal, hard rock, and ska. I'm going to read from the book Manish Argwal. Although they never became household names like their friends in Los Angeles peers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Fishbone broke down similar musical boundaries with their exuberant fusion of ska, punk, funk, and metal. The African-American sextet formed in high school in 1979. The core lineup was singer-saxophonist Angelo Moore, guitarist Kendall Jones, bassist Norwood Fisher, trumpet player Walter Kirby, drummer Philip Fish Fisher and keyboardist, trombonist Chris Dow, who shared a house with future solo star Jeff Buckley. Truth and Soul, their second LP kicks off with a hard rock version of Curtis Mayfield's classic junkie parable, Freddy's Dead, then moves through a kaleidoscopic array of original songs. Ma and pa is a sing-along ska peppered with day glow horns, while party anthem, Bonin' in the Boneyard, rides a fantastic rubbery bass line. Their most consistent record, Truth and Soul, was Fishbone's commercial breakthrough peaking at number 153 on the Billboard chart. The sprawling double album follow-up, The Reality of My Surroundings in 1991, cracked the top 50, but they were unable to convert cult status into lasting mainstream success. All right, what do we think of Fishbone, Truth and Soul?
1: And I, I didn't know this band, uh, aside from their cameo in Back to the Beach When they did Jamaica. Ska. So yeah, listen to this record. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, this was a surprise.
2: My biggest uh, point of reference of Fishbone is their song um, Swim off the 1993 Last Action Hero soundtrack. (laughs) Soundtrack, baby! (laughs) So this is is a fun record for me. Uh, Josh, you seem like you're a Fishbone fan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I
3: love this record. I think, though, that I'll start out with a negative, which is I have no idea why they opened with this song with, well, with the first song, Freddy's Dead. Oh man,
1: I thought that was a a bold
3: move. Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, so, okay, look, the problem I have with it is that this record is so solid from their writing, from how eclectic their influence is. And if they wanted to show up in the beginning with something weird, mixed genre, a little faster, less of the ska stuff, they could have done Bone in the Boneyard first. I think that would have been an incredible opener for this record. Um, it would have achieved the same things. Uh, I think there are multiple other choices. But can, Bert, it seems
0: like you disagree. I completely disagree. I think okay, so what? what is it about Freddy's Dead that you like? It's Cur- it's a Curtis Mayfield original from Superfly soundtrack. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're saying, okay, look at this, new, this old stuff, right? Look at this soul. This was a hit. Uh, originally in the '70s, and they're saying we can do this updated, and it can still be exciting, and and it just like reinvigorates this old song that someone you know might not know, uh, and then for the older crowd, it's like, oh, okay, I see what they're getting into. Because if you just start straight off with, here's our wacky, because they're a bunch of goofballs, you know, they're okay. playing all sorts of crazy ska, funk, punk, like everything. Would you say this is
2: their higher ground by the peppermint.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're they're kind of like twisting these old funk, this old funk number and then just like saying, here it is faster,
1: louder, you know, like more in your face. And I think it works. I think it works great. Yeah, my my take on it was just like, look how good we are. We we will put the cover first. Yeah, And then it just progressively gets better from there. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I thought when it, when it came out, I was like, wow, that's a that is a real fucking move. It's a bold move. Yeah. To you, do a you, yeah you, you better be you're able either to follow this up. And they fucking do.
2: Or yeah. Alien Ant Farm. You know, if you're putting <laughs> that track on.
1: <laughs> right. And
3: I, and I don't think those two bands are on the same level, at least not for me. No, so. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I, I see what you guys are saying. I guess I, I just love this band so much. And I love their compositions together. And I mean, multiple vocalists And it's it's incredible what this album does And I think this album is such a really good showcase Of the band as a whole And what I think is kind of the prime of a lot of the best songs on it So I guess for me, loving it so much I don't need a Curtis Mayfield song How how good it might be, and it is And I agree with Birch's point I think it's a great point of sort of revitalizing This hit from the 70s, the early 70s, right? Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that's great maybe a separate maybe single release only or something right you know just to me on this record it just doesn't need it uh but i still enjoy it it's still good i just feel like i like the other stuff better maybe. do you skip it yeah and you're and you're a fan so i am, a yeah newcomer, i don't i don't skip it no as a newcomer but,
2: i was like ooh, you know this kind of hooked me into any other fish bones beside um the song swim off the 1993 plus Section hero
3: soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> for sure and i guess that's something i didn't really think about is that both you and Birch brought up a really good point of maybe it gets crowds involved. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with a little bit of something that's familiar, but doing it very much in their own
0: way. Right. Yeah. They, I had no idea. I, you know, fishbone was always one of those bands just like just off periphery, I knew people who were like fans of the band who liked music that I was aligned with. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Faith No More, all that kind of like even Oingo Boingo, Mm -hmm. you know, like that sort of like L.A. scene where they're mixing all it's like a melting pot of all these different. Obviously, it was more metal focused, I think, at this time. 88. And I thought, yeah, this this album completely kind of threw me for a loop because I had heard songs before, but. I hadn't heard them all together and I feel like you're talking about that Josh, you know, when you stack each one of these songs together, it paints a very strange and eclectic like eclectic portrait that has, you know, you're transitioning from funk, now you're doing metal, now you're doing uh, uh, what are we listening to right now? It's pouring rain which is like a soft, like, yeah, almost like reggae influenced, Mm -hmm. like, very singer. Yeah, what it
3: reminds me a lot of is that that sort of when second wave ska was getting really soul Mm influenced, but still very much that, like, late 70s, early 80s ska kind of stuff, like, that's exactly what this track is to me. It's like a slow dance, you know, uh, very sweet, very throwback track.
2: Josh, would you say this is the tragic kingdom of the 80s? (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: i mean i love that question and i'm not going to answer it <laughs> uh it's it's pretty close i mean no matter what we can trace a line from the third wave ska in the 90s and no doubt back to fishbone unequivocally i mean gwen stefani on the note on the fishbone uh documentary is like Yes, fishbone.
1: Of there was, course, there was a fishbone documentary. Yes, there was. Wow, I, yeah, I didn't know
0: that. Should
3: watched that. It's pretty Shit. good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Gwen Stefani has a few lines in there that I feel. You know, I mean, it's. Well, I didn't know that. It's. I mean, it's cool that she did it. I guess it's cool that she was. She was on it. There's a. Oh, Ice t gives a, a really great uh, like introduction to the band on that documentary. Uh, I wrote down some, of it, but it's it's basically all the stuff of what it's not. And he just goes, it was some different shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's great though. I don't, I don't know. I think this is a band and a record that should not work. Right. I mean, for a million reasons. Uh, and that's a lot of what makes it be so great. Right.
0: It's. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying it, it shouldn't work. I mean, uh, uh, talking about that documentary too. And yeah. ice tea, and, you know, this is, this is the era we're, we're going to get NWA like, really soon like it's it's right around the corner and this is when rap is starting to turn into gangster rap into the like hardcore rap and and infusing the metal and and the, the elements like that and fishbone uh i think people went to see them and they were expecting something completely different and here you have uh, six black guys with mohawks, yep. who were skanking, who were playing funk, who were like just completely a party band, and I think it really like defined, you know, it. There was something about that era, the sort of like uh, this fusion where where uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers had had that element too. They had already done a couple albums by this time, but. Mm-hmm. I think I think f- fishbone they weren't this good. They <laughs> probably not. I think fishbone got kind of passed over because they were so weird, and it was just hard to box them. It's like hard to put them in a box. And I don't think people fully embraced the sort of weirdness of ska until it got to the like mid '90s, and then everybody totally embraced the weirdness of ska, and everything was like campy and goofy and. Uh, yeah, fast and you know <laughs> yeah. whatever you want to say
2: I mean you were talking about the LA scene this reminded me a lot of Oingo Boingo like a couple tracks in particular I was like this is Oingo Boingo this album uh, made me want to like go dance at a at a show which I haven't done like in a long time it's just so energetic and like infectious like once it got to the third track like Question of Life um, but I was shocked that I like to hide behind my glasses it's like Europe only Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: That song smokes. There are a lot of, there. Are, there are a lot of songs that are. Yeah. B-sides are or, or not quite on this album that are it's just so good. deep inside. We're listening deep inside right now and this is, it's straight up like, I, I don't want to say Black Flag but it is Black Flag adjacent right? Like, yeah, man, this is a punk song. It's like punk. Yeah, so Yeah, it's a lot yeah. Uh, they they did say that they wanted equal parts Parliament Funkadelic and Black Flag. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, and I
1: couldn't ask for more. I, yeah. There you go.
2: This album is a total party. I love listening to this record. I listened to it over and over. I couldn't get enough.
1: I I love the whole record, but side two is where it gets weird. I thought it, so was In like true, the yeah. best way, yeah. like where yeah, I that, agree. That weird alt alt metal fusion stuff kicks in where you really start to feel like we we, we, we keep spouting off about different bands, but like the whole Faith No More thing, like like it, it's it's all right there. Everyone's doing it yeah. like like simultaneously, and it's didn't last yeah, forever i mean, to man, Some of it great. Yeah,
3: I mean, Fishbone was first in a lot of ways and very influential on a lot of groups and stuff. I mean, there's all that '90s ska stuff, you know, all that like third wave. It, this is, I mean, this and Operation IV, of course, right? True. Are also not in the, the book. The two, <laughs> yeah. right? We should do that one for the. Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah, we should, yeah, uh, yeah but. Uh, but I mean, those two are so important when it comes to all that you know, the good and bad of that '90s ska punk stuff. But I think also, you know, like Les Claypool talks about how influential they were on him, right? And so, I mean, that's a big
0: deal. Yeah. Great bass playing, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. Bonin in the Boneyard when that came on and I heard the bass. Holy shit. I just I think I just replayed the song because it's (laughs) it's like the tightest, fastest funk bass I had I think I've heard up until this point. Sure, funkadelic can get down, but are they going at 180 BPMs? They're just yeah, you're just killing it.
2: I was I was practicing bass guitar for our reading <laughs> show and I just about threw the bass guitar in the trash after. <laughs> what
0: am I even doing on this planet? <laughs> What's the
1: point of any of
0: this? Yeah, why try? Fishbone's already done it better. Yeah, yeah, their first uh, major international tour. Right before this uh, album was opening for the Beastie Boys in 87 on their license. Oh, wow. to IL Tour. Yeah. I just can't imagine seeing Fishbone. Uh, wow. Uh, what a show. Super party band and then seeing Beastie Boys do the license. To also, Super I mean, party band. Super party yeah. band. Yeah.
1: That must have been a
0: hell of a time. Yeah. I watched a couple live videos. Totally lives up to expectations. I mean, amazing. Uh, amazing performers. Yeah, I I can't say enough good things about this. It's well recorded, too. Uh, I I, I guess it could be like slightly better with a little more could be a little slicker, but slicker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they were on a they were on Columbia, they're on Columbia. But I feel like the dollars put into this was probably not, you know.
1: Yeah. They actually were able to off of their first record, renegotiate their contract to do another record with Columbia, like Columbia. Yeah. They're like, there's something here. Yeah, I just, no, you're right. Yeah,
3: Yeah, the Columbia stuff is crazy too because uh, it was still segregated at the time, which is nuts. In the late 80s, they still had a black music section and a white music section. And part of what like Fishbone sort of, you know, brought up with that stuff is that, is where do bands like this go? And, you know, well, you know, with Living Color, where do bands like that go, right? And so, and... And there are lots of groups like that at this time period that are still dealing with this crazy record label, uh, segregation. That's nuts that, that was happening in the late eighties still. And it was given to the black music department. They kicked it back saying that it was too rock and roll for them. Um, but the white music department didn't want it, uh, because it was too black for them. And then finally they were, they put it out, but it's not nuts. There's, put it in the fishbone yeah.
0: section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please
2: do you know when this like segregation was dissolved josh that's kind of wild to think it was still happening in the late 80s
3: right i don't know i didn't look into it more than just that story from the band but wow
0: yeah the uh if i recall the the charts got desegregated in 1990 yeah okay yeah so there were like the they were still doing some sort of like split on the charts up until 1990, which so after hip hop had already gotten the stranglehold, they're like, well, we need to basically, yes, I think it was 1990 NWA. And then it was like, hip hop became huge. And then they decided to, of course, separate. So it wasn't overwhelmingly probably overwhelming the other like rock artists. (laughs) <laughs> if I had to, if I had to infer what was going on, those at that time.
1: poor scared rock, rock artists. Yeah.
0: yeah, but at this time, uh, it it was re- really cool that, uh, you know, th- this was a album that was considered, you know, socially conscious mm-hmm. crack epidemic. Dude. And also the
1: last couple of tracks are yeah. just brutal.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so it kind of fits in with all these different works by Public Enemy um, mm-hmm. and Ice Cube and, you know, the sort of Reagan Bush uh, era of, of racism and, mm-hmm. and uh,
2: subliminal fascism.
0: Yeah. Subliminal yeah. fascism. Yeah. It's it's really cool, too, to have a have a band like that. I mean, they toured with the Beastie Boys and sure, the Beastie Boys will, you know they're goofy but at the same time having having this sort of uh this sort of sort of picking up on like the special social conscious you know elements is is really cool yep absolutely concur and i mean
3: as much as i feel like the bc boys are known for this you know, live performance sort of, you know, Angelo is a maniac, right? I mean, I don't know if you guys watched any of the live. I did. Yeah. I watched some videos
2: and I couldn't, yeah. Oh my God. And when he, you know,
3: stage dives and then, you know, it's, it's like crowd surfing isn't even fair to call it that. Cause he's just like swimming through it. Right. It's crazy. He puts the mic you know, backwards in his mouth so he can like tumble over people, like icky pop walk on hands, you know, climb scaffolding stuff. It's just, it's a, it's a, impossible thing to describe
2: without seeing
0: it. Mm, yeah. I just don't, I don't think anybody was ready at this time.
2: Yeah, definitely ahead of its time. No. Uh,
0: it's the same with the, like you were saying with Oingo Boingo. I just don't think.
1: Not ready for prime time.
0: No one was ready for the weirdness. No, that, that's guess. why yeah. the weirdness which,
1: didn't last that long,
0: which. And yeah. the weirdos found it though. You know. yeah, yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. And it influenced so much other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. i mean, going yeah, boingo yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I can't, overstate how influential they were so many music. bands you know, yeah the same with fishbone and certain genres right yeah i mean it's interesting too that you know we've been talking about oingo boingo and how that kind of it, it, in some ways is similar to you know them not being ready and, and lots of uh you know eclectic sort of influences and all that um just as it, you know fishbone says that like their their band like of the time right like that's their band of music that is around them that they're into that they're listened to and they're influenced by all of it. Right. And, and everybody says that, right. I mean, any pop singer is going to say, you know, all these eclectic influences or whatever. Fishbone put the money where the mouth was. Right. Absolutely. Um, And, and and do boingo in a lot of ways too, very influenced had lots of stuff come through from different genres. Uh, That is not a comparison I would have thought of previously, but it's a, it's a great one.
2: And they both have like very many the Moocher esque songs. I mean, with, uh, yeah. yeah. I like to hide behind my glasses and, uh, squeeze at the Moocher.
0: Yeah. There, there's been a couple of reviews, and Chicago Tribune gave the album a mixed review saying the blend of musical styles hurts the album, quote, despite
1: the band's talent. But at the same time, the other guy in Chicago was like, this album's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, there's there's plenty of other uh, in a separate review. The same newspaper, Chris Helm uh, said that the record was fresh, assured and bursting with ideas and energy that seemed like it should come from more experienced
1: musicians. Yeah. Christ, which, is, which is a big, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Uh Christ Gow had a, a similar take saying that he didn't he wasn't sure if all of the uh, like different influences together on the same like. Album made much sense, but if he was skipping through channels on the radio, he would find each of those songs on yeah. different radio uh, stations and be yeah. totally okay with like what was going on.
0: Yeah, probably not I,
1: as well written too, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that as a negative,
0: um as a like a detractor from having such a chaotic lineup. You know, like I have this song now, I have this song, and it it. I couldn't really decide like it, at first I was just like, it feels schizophrenic, right? Mm-hmm. You're listening to one song and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm getting into this. And then you listen to a completely separate style of song and yeah. you're trying to connect the dots. Right. But every so often I feel like there are albums that are so different that it feels, it feels good to skip the channel, right? It feels good to yeah. flip L- yeah. li- like you're just
1: pushing shuffle uh, and you're shuffling chocolate through. and
2: cheese by Ween, you yeah, know, exactly. Like.
1: We, we got bone in the boneyard in our cans right now, which is just fucking uh, oh, it's such like, a the, the Minneso- like the Minnesota sound, or yeah, the, uh, yeah, some prints. And, and then we're gonna jump directly over to a like twangy guitar ballad about racism, like, right. It's just mm-hmm. they can do everything and they do everything really well, yeah. And it's a sophomore album, guys. This is not a sophomore slump. This is... Yeah. There we go. So
2: good.
0: Oh, yeah, That's the song where Angelo just
3: keeps saying funky bass
0: over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody remember the Fishbone logo just on cars, yep. like, everywhere you go? <laughs> I, I find do. That each... Yeah, do you know the
3: story behind that, Birch? No, I don't, actually. I don't know if it was, like, their a guy, but somebody from Columbia, uh, you know, who was working with them, made it on Microsoft Paint, like, one of the first, like, or, like, one of the, like, the your know, very first programs of that. And at the time thought like, this looks great. It looks terrible, right? But it, but it became a great logo. And when you look at it like that, it makes sense that that's what that was. It was trying to make a fish. but
2: you know. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, it's iconic. Yeah. I've definitely seen it in a million places. Uh,
0: but does that explain? Recognizable. Yeah. Does that explain why it was on like so many cars in the nineties and two thousands? I saw it so many places,
1: I guess. Uh, whatever local record store that
0: was the I think they cheapest just, of the, yeah I, I was wondering the if they just sent stickers out to every single record store Could be smart. Yeah or maybe wow. that there's That's just diabolical. Like, a lot more fishbone fans than I <laughs> <laughs> they are Legion. Yeah well, and, I, and I think
3: maybe it was one of those things where you know you have a very influential band that maybe isn't as big as, as they should be in my opinion, right? Uh it's very clear how I feel about this band. But then they influenced a bunch of groups, right? Uh, so then, you know, Cox Bar, ever talking about punk rock stuff is a very good example of this, right? Cox Bar now headlines the biggest of punk rock festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time when they were around, they were not that big of a deal, right? Um, and, and they weren't around for that long, you know, for the first time, except you know, so, so there's other factors of course, but, but Fishbone's influence did it so quickly, right? So you have coming right into the nineties, all these pop punk third wave ska bands, uh, no doubt, pie tasters, all this stuff that that are getting big, right? Real big fish. So then I, I feel like it gets all these suburban kids into that kind of music, and then they take one step back to see where it came from. Oh, five years ago, uh, six years ago, this band <laughs> called Fishbone, right?
1: Yeah, oh, the uh, and so days of nineteen ninety,
3: right? So, <laughs> uh, so I guess I just mean that you're know, seeing all those stickers in the nineties isn't super surprising to me because yeah. that they got that effect a lot faster than maybe a band like Toxbar, right? Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Sure. They probably toured with a lot of big names at the time, too, because people were, you know, you bring along your influences, right? You bring along the, yeah. the people, and so they probably...
3: Well, they did Lollapalooza yeah, that's in true. 92 or 93, right? So Somewhere in there, so that probably helped, too. And again, this is a band that, live, right? I feel like... I totally get where you guys are coming from, where if you haven't heard it before, when you just listen to this record, it's all over the place. But if you saw this live, all these songs interspersed with this band doing it live, and then you listen to a record, it makes perfect sense. And so I think that that also could have helped build Fishbone fans, the fact that if people saw the at when you see it together as a unit, makes a little more sense than just putting the record on.
0: Yeah, their next album, The Reality of My Surroundings, was released the same year as Nirvana's Nevermind. Cracked the Billboard Top 50 and for a moment seemed like Fishbone would ride the alternative rock wave. You know, made stars of many left to center bands. But even with the spot on the 1993 Lollapalooza tour, Fishbone proved too old or was it too black for mainstream audiences? Oh, that's the question. I mean, the answer is yes.
2: A little bit of column A, a little bit of B.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, for me, I think it was a certain timing. If Fishbone yeah. would have come out like right before all those other bands, real big fish, no doubt, whatever, they would have destroyed the Scott scene. Right. They would have been.
1: I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Faith No More had that one big hit with Epic and then nothing. But we. We. Fans of that band have been following them the entire time. So skewed wise, like, I think that everyone loves Faith No More and they're like just this gigantic band. But I think that they also I think most of that alternative metal section that was going on right now, they all died the same death as soon as Grunge hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
1: Like no one. I don't I don't Mm. know of anybody that got out of that alive, like. I mean, I don't really know what I mean, that many bands that were grunge that I, got out of it alive. You could say, Red I mean, Hot Chili Primus, Peppers did. Yeah, I was going to say the Peppers. Did you say
0: yeah, Primus? Uh... Yeah, for
1: sure. Primus, yeah. Primus, yeah. But even they, No, I mean, the, no, if you're under,
2: talking about the, pe- the Peppers, like, you know, after Blood Sugar Sex Magic. The was Peppers? The, the Peppermen. Um, oh my
1: God. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> the Pet Boys. I, 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 wow. Okay. <laughs> you no, know, the record after.
2: Uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was one of Dave Navarro on it, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one
3: hot minute, one hot minute, (laughs) and that doesn't
2: sound anything like. uh, Hey, this is relevant stuff, Rob. You can look down your nose at this, Uh,
3: but I think I think Primus. I mean, Primus lasted longer for that stuff. I mean
2: they uh, are still going, but they were yeah, never. Well, yeah, but I mean, also commercial. like in the mainstream. I think, eye
3: yeah, I think. The, right? I mean, Oneota's got a big brown beaver. I mean, that was that was no. I mean, yeah. Later, Pork well, but it was Soda on the sold millions
2: of records, which is crazy. Yeah, now. It was on yeah. our right. radio. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm I don't know. Saying, I mean, it was on,
2: but it was on mainstream. It was on radio. MTV.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, now look, I'm not saying that they were the biggest band in the world or they got their due or anything like that. But if we're talking about groups that were this like alternative, genre bending, kind of metal oriented. Primus is maybe one of the ones who did their best surviving
0: through the 90s. I can say Fishbone never officially had their commercial breakthrough. Right.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about that. They don't really have an ubiquitous hit, you know, like in Living Color, which we're going to talk about. They had, you know, obviously cult of personality, but
3: yeah. And you know, go to singles that at least one other that made top 40, I think. Uh, Another that was at least on their Billboard Hot 100. So yeah, I think, you know, back to Fishbone, I think. One of the saddest things to me about this group is that is what kind of happened to them, right? And so uh, they keep just kind of like losing members, right? You know, people quitting. Angelo, it seems like, is a very strong personality, right? But he ends up, you know, later in life, moving back in with his mother. And so I think one of the major differences between even some of the bands we're talking about, even say Primus just had kind of one hit or, or you know, Epic, right? As, as like one hit, for, you know, those bands probably made a lot more money um, they, they maybe could have sort of set on an, on a nest egg that uh, this would never got.
0: Yeah. Yeah, No, that's true.
1: All right. Let's get around. Uh, what do you think? I love it, man. What a, yeah. what a fun record. Like I would recommend this to everybody. Yeah. It's super great. fun. Super it's fun. fun. This is a
2: great discovery. Um, every song had a blast. Yeah.
0: I'm going to replay this. Yeah. Positive for me as well. I think we're all on the, all on the positive on this. Yeah. 100%. It just, it's, it's a fun record. And it has a I think it has a real unique voice that we haven't really had in this book. It has a certain flavor, I think. Yeah. For that's sure. that's very welcome. Yeah. Josh, have you heard the song Swim off the
2: last section hero soundtrack?
3: Yes. Uh and I'm very excited to listen to or potentially participate. And when you do the Patreon, uh, you know, special recording of of uh, your thoughts on that record, and it's going to be just you, right? It is. Just I, I
2: like. I, I want your opinion. How does that stack against other fishbun songs, though? Oh, uh, so I mean, we talk about how he likes to swim into the mosh, and that's what that sounds. Okay. Bad yeah. About. So uh,
3: sure. Uh, to be honest, I would have to go back and listen to that one. That is not one that gets regular play at my house, unfortunately. I could uh, sing maybe it. I it, should yeah. revisit.
0: <laughs> that okay that song is no is the first one off of a uh, give a monkey a brain and he'll swear he's the center of the universe which is their fourth album oh so yeah that, that one came out in wasn't 1993 written
2: for the yeah. film okay yeah
0: no it wasn't it was yeah it was just, just pulled for the film but uh yeah all right uh next time we'll be talking about everything but the girl Wild.